Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 206 of The Informed Catholic. Episode 206 of The Informed Catholic. Now, before we begin, please subscribe and share to the podcast. It will be a great help. It would help the podcast to grow and to be distributed even more, it will let Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all the other platforms, especially Spotify and Anchor. These are the two main two that I produce my podcasts through. It will let them know that people actually enjoy it, and it will encourage me to keep producing it, making these episodes, because at least I know people are listening and they're enjoying it. And no, I am not getting rich from this at all. It's because I enjoy doing it. I enjoy proclaiming Jesus Christ and I enjoy sharing the gospel with people and I enjoy sharing important uh, information um, that are Christ-centered and that help people be aware of what's going on because that is the main thing. It's uh, sharing information with people, telling people about certain things, events, and also mainly because it's about Christ, because you want your brothers and sisters, regardless if you're Catholic or not, I don't care. As long as you're a Christian, you're a Trinitarian Christian, you believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you believe in the Bible, you believe in the incarnation that is Jesus Christ made flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, that is what's important. And I want to share this with those Trinitarian Christians, um, Catholic, Protestant, Evangelical, uh, Pentecostal, uh, Orthodox Christians, Coptic Christians. It doesn't matter. As long as you're, you are a Trinitarian Christian, that's all that matters. And I know we're living in uncertain times of what's happening, what's going on, and uh, we need to uh, stick together. We need, we really do. All right. So uh, now that we got that through, let's begin with the opening Advent prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be comforted, be comforted, my people. Your salvation comes quickly. Why with grief are you consumed? For sorrow has stricken you. I will save you. Fear not, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer. Drop dew, you heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain, the just one. O God, who gladdens the gladden us by the annual expectation of our redemption, grant that we, who now receive with joy your only begotten Son as our Redeemer, may behold him without fear when he comes as our judge, even the same Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so um, what I'm going to do right now is the readings for... Um, the, um, for, hold on, this is for, uh, Saturday, uh, the first week of Advent, the end of the first week of Advent. So let's begin. The Antiphon is from Psalm 80. 
Come and show us your face, O Lord, who are seated upon the cherubim, and we will be saved. And this is the, uh, the collect prayer. O God, who sent your only begotten Son into this world to free the human race from its ancient enslavement, bestow on those who devoutly await him the grace of your compassion from on high, that we may attain the prize of true freedom through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. The book of Isaiah, chapter 30. Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, O people of Zion who dwell in Jerusalem, no more, no more will you, weep, will you weep. He will be gracious to you when you cry out. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. The Lord will give you the bread you need and the water for which you thirst. No longer will your, your teacher hide himself, but with your own eyes you shall see your teacher while from behind a voice shall sound in your ear, this is the way, walk in it. When you would turn to the right or to the left, he will give rain for the seed that you sow in the ground and the wheat that the soil produces. He will be rich and abundant. On that day, your flock will be given pasture and the lamb will graze in spacious meadows, the oxen and the asses that till the ground will eat soil, uh, soilage tusk to them with shovel and pitchfork. Upon every high mountain and lofty hill there will be streams of running water. On the day of the great slaughter, when the tower when the towers fall, the light of the moon will be like the will be like the that of the sun and the light of the sun will be the seven times greater and the light of the and, and on that day the lord binds up the wounds of his people he will heal the bruises left by his blows the psalm and the responsorial is from one, psalm 147 blessed are all who wait for the lord praise the lord for he is good Sing praises to our God, for he is gracious. It, it is fitting to praise him. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. The dispersed of Israel, he gathers. Blessed are all who wait for the Lord. He heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds. He tells the number of the stars. He calls each by name. Blessed are they who wait for the Lord. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. It is his wisdom there. It, it, to his wisdom there is no limit. The Lord sustains the lowly. The wicked he casts to the ground. Blessed are they who wait for the Lord. And the next, the gospel reading is from Matthew, and we're going to go through the opening antiphon. Alleluia, alleluia, the Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, our king. He it is who will save us. Alleluia, alleluia. 
and it's from Matthew chapter 9, verse uh, starting from verse 35, and it goes into chapter 10, 1 to 5. The beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went out to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness. At the sight of the crowds, his heart was moved with pity for them, because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them, Thus, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you, as you go, <clears throat> make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and drive out demons. Without cost you have received, and without cost you are to you are to give. The, the gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so uh, now this is the end of um, the first week of Advent, and. This week we've read quite a few articles on Advent, how to celebrate it and everything. And it's, I mean, it's pretty basic, but I think um, before I go uh, to reading something, I think it's important that we need to uh, put together, we need to revive Christian culture, Christian uh, rituals and practices that will hold families together. We're really at a at a very um, uncertain time, what's going on with us. Um, you know, you know, I'm still hopeful that uh, Trump will make it, and I believe he will because they're starting to show, show signs of exposing the fraud. And I think he was prepared for this. He was prepared because he, he, he had to have known that they were going to try to steal this from him. Uh, and I think our prayers are being answered. They're being answered by um, what's happening, you know, you know, because all these people are coming out. And now you got film footage, which I, I praise God and thank God they found it because I have been praying for, for the Lord to expose the lies, the deception. I really, I am, I have been praying so desperately that they would, you know, that this stuff will be exposed because it is unbelievably disheartening uh, to think that all this, after all these four years, could be thrown away, could be lost. And, you know, People say Trump likes to play uh, 4D chess, and I, I, I believe it. And it's true. But more, but here's the thing. He gets in there, he, he, he gets another four years. 
And we have to prepare after those four years. We could find a new champion, but we also have to remember we have to um, we have to increase in faith. Presidents come and go, you know, good ones as well. And situations have um, can change, and we saw that with this pandemic catastrophe. It could have been an earthquake. It could have been a meteorite from heaven. It could have been a number of different things. And wars can begin. And we have to remember that just like in the Bible, the people of Israel uh, found themselves in dire situations, global situations that changed on them. Um, they had it good. They took it for granted. And they lost it because of sins, national sins as well as personal sins. And we, as a people, have to be prepared. We have to start realizing, you know, we cannot let ourselves become proud, haughty, and arrogant. Because we don't want to recognize personal and national sins. Okay? I'm not talking <clears throat> like I said in the last episode, all right? The problem with, you know, like the, I did one about the the suicide of civilization by Anthony L., uh, Esselin, who was a, a, a Catholic uh, scholar. And, you know, it, it's a serious situation because they're, Everything they can't they cannot accept these people cannot accept spiritual things. I'm gonna keep I'm trying to keep this part short because I want to read something uh, to you. Um, we can't you know they can't accept it. They don't want spiritual things. Like Fulton Sheen says, people who are very materialistic, who only see the materialistic world, reject the spiritual, reject the supernatural. They, they keep talking. Notice how they use science as a scapegoat. All right, they can accept, you know, you know, they can they can reject uh, aborting an innocent child in the womb because they talk about population control and and they will they will replace it with uh, the right of a woman's ch uh, to choose and a woman's body. They always do that because they always got to turn materialistically selfish. Then they'll turn to something like other kind of sins, like the environment, save the planet, save the, the environment. They, 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 they upraise the created world, the world of creation. They raise it up high. And they worship it, just like Paul said. They worship the creature instead of the creator. And that's, that's what they're doing. Right? The environment is important to them. The trees, the planets, the animals, the koala bears, the and those things are beautiful things because they're created by God, the creator, but they don't believe in a creator. So they have to worship the creation. And then they come up with social uh, sins, which are easy for them, like racism, social justice, uh, poverty, um, joblessness, immigration. They want to change everything. And to do that, 
they have to destroy the old world. And the old world is the world that Christianity built. They want to bring it down. And you think they're going to just stop at the White House? They're going to stop with American history? No, they'll go right into Europe and they'll burn down. This is why I personally, and I believe like Taylor Marshall and others, I don't think the burning of the cathedral, Notre Dame Cathedral, was an accident. I think it was actual arson, an actual person did it. Whether, you know, it was probably some socialist, some Antifa-like person, or, a, or someone, uh, a Muslim immigrant, a migrant did it, or someone did it. The destruction of the old world has, the, the old world has to go. The Christian world has to disappear. And in comes a new world that they want to create with, with, with their new ideology and new philosophy and their new idea of religion. You know, it's, it's, it's obvious. And we, we have to, as Christians, start waking up and start realizing we have to, we have to fight back to save the old world. And that means we have to start supporting each other, even supporting our brother and sisters in Europe. Help them as well as we have to help each other. We have to stop this isolationist thing as Christians. We, national populism is not racism. We all know it's not white supremacy. It's not Nazism. They'll, they'll do anything to call it that. They'll call it that because they have to call it that. They have to, they have to, they have to dehumanize, defame everything that goes against their ideology. We can work with Jews. We can work with uh, Jewish people who are Bible-believing people, people like Ben Shapiro. All right, we can work with them. We can work with Orthodox Jews because they believe in law and order. They don't want to live in a society where there's no law and order. They don't want to live in a society where there's no cap, where there's no uh, right to personal property. Just, just like the evangelical Christian doesn't want to live in a society where they don't have their own property. Their own property is confiscated and taken from them. Who wants to live in a society like that? I don't. The right for personal freedom. There's no freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Who wants to live in a society like that? I don't want to live in AOC's world. I don't want to live in Chuck Schumer's world. I don't want to live in Mario, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Andrew Cuomo's world. I, well, he looks like his father more and more every day. Uh, Chris Cuomo. I don't want to live in his world. I don't want to live in Trudeau's world. No, and I don't want to live in Klaus or uh, Schwab's world, whatever his name is, with his reset. No, no one wants to live in that person's world. You don't and I don't. All right, these people are crazy. And honestly, as much as I keep praying for him and I keep praying for him every day in my rosary, I remember him in my prayers, I don't want to live in Pope Francis' uh, world. All right, he 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 doesn't he doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand what the Christian view is. He's detached from real Christians. 
sadly, he's the Pope. And, you know, he's not the Catholic Church. He's the head of the Catholic Church, yes, but he is not the Catholic Church. Jesus Christ is the Catholic Church. He's a servant of Jesus Christ, and he's supposed to serve the people of God. But instead, he, he serves the Lavender St. Gallen Mafia. All right, I'm going to end it here, and um, let me look for something to read to you that will be helpful. All right, I'm going to read to you uh, from The Lord. It's a classic book by Romano <clears throat> Garadini. He's a, uh, he was a famous theologian. Um, he's a, he was a Monsignor. And this book is Meditations on the Life of Jesus Christ, similar to Fulton Sheen, but a little bit more. Um, Fulton Sheen tends to focus on both historical as well, and he meditates on it in a narrative way, sort of. But this is a little different. It's, it's like a more... Um, really reflective. It's really reflective and good. I'm going to read to you parts of chapter one. I mean, I'm not going to read you the whole thing because it's, it can be quite daunting, but the part I think that uh, will stand out to everyone. This chapter is called Origin and Ancestry. All right, so let's begin. If someone in Capernaum or Jerusalem at the time had asked the Lord, who are you? Who are your parents? To what house do you belong? He might have answered in words of St. John's Gospel. Amen, amen, I say to you, before Abraham came to be, I am. John chapter 8, verse 58. Or he might have pointed out that he was of the house and family of David. Luke chapter 2, verse 4. How do the evangelists begin their records of the life of Jesus of Nazareth, who is Christ, the anointed one? John probes the mystery of God's existence for Jesus' origins. His gospel opens, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was made nothing that has been made. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world knew him not. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. Revelation shows that merely that the merely Unitarian God found in post-Christian Judaism, in Islam, and throughout the modern consciousness does not exist. At the heart of that mystery which the church expresses in her teaching of, of the trinity of persons in the unity of life stands the God of Revelation. 
Here John seeks the root of Christ's existence. In the second of the most holy persons, the word Logos, in whom God, the speaker, reveals the fullness of his being. Speaker and spoken, however, incline towards each other and are one in the love of the Holy Spirit. The second person of God here is called the Word, is also named Son, since he who speaks the Word is known as Father. In the Lord's farewell address, the Holy Spirit is given the promising names of Counselor, Sustainer, for he will see to it that the brothers and sisters in Christ are not left orphans by his death. Through the Holy Spirit, the Redeemer came to us straight from the heart of the Heavenly Father. The Son of God became man, not only descended into to inhabit a human frame, but he became man literally. And in order that no possible doubt arises, that, for example, it might never be asserted that Christ, despising lowliness of the body, had united himself only with the essence of a holy soul or with an exalted spirit, John specifies sharply, Christ was made flesh. Only in the flesh, not in the bare spirit, can destiny and history come into being. This is a fact to which we shall often return. God descended to us in the person of the Savior, Redeemer, in order to have a destiny to become history. Through the Incarnation, the founder of the new history stepped into our midst. With his coming, all that had been before fell into its historical place. Before the birth of our Lord, Jesus Christ anticipated or preparing for that hour, all that was to be was to be faced the fundamental choice between acceptance and rejection of the incarnation. He dwelt among us, pitched his tent among us, as one trans translation words it, tent of the Logos. What is this but Christ's body, Christ's holy pavilion among men, the tab uh, the the original tabernacle of the Lord in our midst, the temple. Jesus meant when he said to the Pharisees, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. John chapter 2, verse 19. Somewhere between that our eternal beginning and the temporal life in the flesh lies the mystery of the incarnation. St. John presents it austerely, swinging its full metaphorical weight. Nothing here of the wealth of lovely characterization and intimate detail that makes St. Luke's account bloom so richly. Everything is concentrated on the ultimate, all-powerful essentials. Logos, flesh, step into the world, the eternal origin, the terrible earthly reality, the mystery of unity. All right, I'll end it there. Okay, I'll be right back.
That was a beautiful uh, meditation. And I think we really, really need to think about this really seriously. Um, in the last um, Advent episode I did, uh, the one before the suicide of, of, uh, of civilization, we, um, I introduced to you Fulton Sheen. Uh, Fulton Sheen's book, The Life of Christ. And I thought this kind of fit in perfectly. You know, um, he pointed out uh, Jesus is, is historical about his belief. And, you know, he talked about, uh, you know, different, uh, how Jesus himself was proclaimed, prophesied that God uh, left signs of his coming you know that the different sort of like religious leaders of the uh, of different cults or groups like even muhammad M muslims would like to say that they were that jesus prophesied muhammad's coming but how could they talk about that he prophesied when they dis when they dismissed the gospel at the same time accused christians of rewriting the scriptures they they do that and at the same time, they want to claim some kind of position. And I always, I always found that very funny, in a sense, because they, they take the, the felt, his last supper address, or, you know, that I will send you the comforter. And we all know that's referring to the third person of the Trinity. But uh, some Muslim scholars jumped in and want to use the, 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 the gospel and say that Jesus proclaimed that Muhammad was going to come. He did not, because that's absolutely ridiculous on their part. But the point is, and I, I, I was born to a Muslim family, so I can say that. The, the significance is that Jesus came into human history, the second person of the Trinity known as the Logos, the Word of God, who was always in existence. There wasn't a time that, that the second person did not exist he was always in existence because if he is, if he is one with the father, then he is God. And if he says before Abraham was, I am. And at the trial, he's, when they asked him the question, are you the Christ? Are you the son of the living God? And he said, I am. I am. Okay, some um, Bible translations they capitalize the I am, and they should. They should darn well capitalize I am. Because he wasn't just saying I am, he was saying most definitely I am. It was a call back to the burning bush. I am who I am. I am that I am. It's the same thing. And you know, I am the Lord your God. Okay, so that was a that's a that's an obviously you know powerful moment. Okay, and that's important, but a lot of a lot of a lot of Christians need to take it seriously. And Fulton Sheen himself pointed out that unfortunately now even in modern society as modern man becomes very, uh, in the Western world, becomes very, very decadent. They therefore 
want universal brotherhood, but without commitment, and they want universal brotherhood without sin. He talked about how in the communist attitude, they take the cross without Christ, and in Western decadence, they take the Christ without the scars of the cross. In other words, they don't want to see the nail prints. They don't want to see the pierced side. They don't want to see the crown of thorns. They don't want to see the, the, the markings of the, of the nails on the hands and feet. They don't want to see the whips and the scars. They want the happy, uh, get along, move along Jesus, an effeminate Jesus. And that's exactly true. We see this because it's, it's an ideology. It's not, it's, in other words, they don't want to see the proclamation of sin or the marks of sin. Western man rejects the cross because Western man does not want to be told that they're guilty. The communist or the socialist, and we got to remember that when Fulton, when Fulton Sheen wrote this at the time was the Soviet Union. So I would say the church of the Marxist elite, which was the Soviet Union, Moscow is gone now. Uh, it's kind of like, really, it's interesting. It's like, uh, you know, now you have the, the, the children without, without the orphanage, <laughs> which is what Marxists really are now, because what really, what really, uh, do they have to point to as their utopia? Moscow was their utopia. The Soviet Union was their utopia. And. China doesn't want them. China wants to rule over them. The communist Chinese, that is. They want to rule over them. They don't want to adopt them. They don't want to adopt the West. They don't, really. Um, they don't love the West. And they don't love Western communists either. That's the funny part. And, you know, George Soros doesn't want them either. I don't, you know, the guy is so old, he's about to die. What does he need? You know, it's hard to understand why he wants to do this anyway. And I don't know. Klaus Schwab is an old fart as well. Forgive me for using those words, but he's got millions and millions and billions of dollars. What does he need to do this for anyway? They're really, in a sense, fatherless for the time being. I guess, until the Antichrist comes along and will adopt them in order, to, in order to devour them as well. But it's hard to understand. But we as Christians, we have a Father and we have a Lord and we have a sustainer and counselor and comfort of the Holy Spirit. And we have a mother, our Blessed Lady, the mother of our Lord Jesus, who prays for us, by the way, prays for us, prays for us to come to her son's cross, prays for us to draw closer to her, to our Redeemer. And we have the saints, our brothers and sisters in heaven, Elijah and Moses, who appeared on the mountain with all the other saints throughout history who died professing the name of Christ. And they too are praying for us to be saved, to come to, to come to the cross, to come to Jesus crucified and resurrected and ascended, to come to be saved. We have to start coming together and start 
becoming brothers and sisters, becoming brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have to start changing our attitude. Stop with the division and start being united, being united under Christ, being united in the Trinity, being, being united under the cross, being united under the church. And that's what we need to do. And, you know, we, you know, we believe in God, the father, the almighty, and we believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, the logos, the word made flesh, who was made incarnate by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died and was buried. He descended into the, into the depths of hell and then rose again rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the father we we need you no know, he paid the price for our sins and he released the captives from 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 captivity and brought them into salvation we need to we need to believe this and we also have the eucharist the body and blood that jesus left to sustain us, he feeds us with himself, physically and with the grace that we need, so that we can be true Christians. We can be true followers. We can be, we can be given the grace we need, and the wisdom we need. We need this. All right, I'm going to end it here, and uh, when I get back, I'll do the second Sunday of Advent. I'll try the best I can to catch up. You know, unfortunately, I do have to go to work you know, like everyone else. God bless.